You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at WatchOnPremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. This is the MLW Radio Network. This is the Mind of the Meanie. Here are your hosts, the Blue Meanie and Adam Barnard. Peace world and welcome everybody to the Mind of the Meanie, your weekly peek into the world according to former WWE superstar and ECW original, the Blue Meanie. We'll cover wrestling, music, movies, sports, and lots and lots of useless knowledge all contained in the Mind of the Meanie. I am your tour guide, a nasally again, Adam Bernard, and he is a mustachioed Blue Meanie. Meanie, and your mustache. What's on your mind? Yeah, I don't know how much longer this is going to last. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a, it was, it's been a fun project, the mustache, but, um, it works though, yeah, dude. It looks, it fits well. It's a nice look. Surprisingly, I think this is the longest I've grown this part of my face out mm. because, uh, you know, I don't like having something over. It's, it's like I'm always like, like biting down on it or, or, or playing with it like her. <laughs> but, uh, now it's going to stink. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> I hate that when it gets spit on the mustache and it's like, fuck, what does that smell? Yeah. <laughs> I hate that shit. I think we just found the name of the, uh, this week's show. Now it's going to stink. <laughs> there we go. I'm writing it down right now as we speak. Well, so Please. for the blue meanie, I am Adam Bernard. Now, now, it's- uh, yeah, now it's going to stink. Great. <laughs> <sighs> Nothing worse than an unplanned stink. That's right. That's um, right. But yeah, it was, it's been fun. I think it's, I think I've been growing it since January, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I have no sense of fucking time. I'm waiting for f- the warm weather to get here. This is like, like I said, between January and March sucks. Yeah. Uh, but like, Fucking daylight savings time, or no? Do we spring forward tonight? We spring forward tonight. Yeah. As we, uh, we're recording, uh, March eleventh, two thousand twenty-three, at ten twenty-three a.m. in the year yeah, of twenty twenty-three. Yes, and uh, yeah. Well, I guess I, what a fucking waste of fucking time with the clocks. Just yeah, leave them forward. Yeah, and ha- have at it, and. uh <clears throat> Let's have uh daylight all the time. Um a day a lo- longer day. Well, at least yeah. sun wise, you know, but I don't know. I'm just rambling. It doesn't um, make it doesn't make any sense though. Like like daylight savings. Dude, John Oliver does a great piece every year when they do the, the clock changes, they do it twice a year. And it's like daylight savings time. Why is it still a thing? It makes no fucking sense. It has no bearing on anything we have to do right now. It's just it's stupid. Like just fucking get rid of it. It's dumb. Every couple of- Every couple of years to take a vote on it to uh, abolish it and nothing happens. And uh, there's like some states that like don't even recognize or there's some cities that don't, don't recognize it. Like there's a part of Indiana that doesn't recognize it doesn't 
yeah. change the clocks. So if you're driving through Indiana, like for like ten, I've, I I want to say it's near Fort. It might be Fort Wayne, Indiana, mm. or one of those cities doesn't move the clocks at all. So you could have like a couple different time zones in that state, you know. But um, well, I know Carl, uh, engineer extraordinaire Carl Pinnell. He lives in uh, in Arizona, and they don't right. change it at all. They have no daylight savings time there. So I think they're two hours behind now. And then as of tomorrow, they'll be three hours behind. But they stick pretty stagnant to the current time. I think if I recall correctly, it's the current time now, not the daylight savings. They don't even they don't even do it. So right. I know yeah. that fucks them up when they're there, you know, is it's like, okay, well now we're three hours behind instead of two. But Well imagine because imagine your cell phone, because like your phone automatically changes if you're in arizona and your cell phone company doesn't know that that state doesn't recognize it you can be fucked that's actually a good question i should ask him that i'll ask him when uh carl if you're listening to this cut in right here and let us know if your phone changes when uh how it works when the when the daylight savings time hits out there because i'd be curious to know how that works because back in the day you'd have to change the clock manually Mm -hmm. and uh but now with every all the technology being logged into, you know, uh, the the internet, you know, your cell phone changes overnight while you sleep. Everything changes overnight while you sleep. You don't have to do shit anymore. Right. They make they, they do it for you, which is nice though, because you know, especially on your phone, you're like, oh fuck, this is great. I don't have to worry about this. But so, yeah, so if you're in, in Arizona, if you're in Arizona, I mean, are do they they fuck you by changing the clock anyway? <laughs> Probably. As it, are people showing up late to fucking work? Like, Carl. oh, hey, you know, you're Carl. fired. Why? <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. It's, it's an interesting, interesting, interest me at least. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure it's probably, it, 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 I'm sure they have different, <clears throat> excuse me, mechanisms and shit that they have for specific areas. I'm sure they geo track it, but, um, your phone can literally tell you whether or not you're in the bathroom now, so it doesn't even matter, but. Um, I'm sure that their their systems have some kind of setup, you know. <laughs> my phone tech, my phone text me and goes again. <laughs> Mimi, you've been on the toilet for four hours. Are you okay? Yeah. Do you need medical assistance? <laughs> <clears throat> are your legs of Are your legs asleep? You know. Oh, that's funny, man. Well, welcome to another show with us this week, Pod yes. Squad. We uh, love having you here. Don't forget to sign up today at Patreon.com/slash Mind of the Mini. Um, we have lots of cool stuff on the way. One cool thing I wanted to bring to your attention right away. I don't know if you've seen this guy's artwork all over Philadelphia, but this guy's name is Praise Dobler. Have you seen this guy's work all over the place, no. all over Philly? It's everywhere. Yeah. And he is, uh, he and I connected on Instagram. You can actually see this right now if you're looking and watching live, uh, at, uh, patreon.com slash mind of the meaning. But I'm going to add this to the background of the wrestling hour because he saw I have a pin, a sacred enamel that he sent me for the church of Dobler. And uh, he sent me this uh, <laughs> sent me this sacred artifact to uh, hang in the background. So very excited about that. You can follow him at Praise Dobler. Uh, great guy, hilarious, just hilarious work. And his artwork is all over. I definitely got follow him. So good, yeah. man. Such good shit. So just want to give a shout out to him right off the top. But also, I want to talk to you about a photo you posted a couple of days ago. Oh yeah, uh, it looks like it was uh, from Thanksgiving uh, or October eighteenth, rather, nineteen ninety seven edition of ECW. It's you and Brian Pillman. Yeah, um, that's super fucking cool, man. Tell me about that. Well, the the, the footage is actually from like ninety six. Mm. Uh, 
Here's why I hate the internet. Uh, <laughs> it was the, 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 it was from, what was the date again? So the date that you posted, uh, the October 18th, 1997 edition of ECW. Right. And then Brian passed away like he was a week before October 5th. So the, yeah. So to open the next week's show, they did, they showed a, a montage of Brian Pillman as a tribute. So I was going through my, I just recently acquired a bunch of ECW shows and, uh, I put them on a hard drive and, uh, I was dating that I was putting the dates down and I was like, I just took a still from the video. I was like, Oh shit, I'm in this. Holy shit. It's amazing what you forget you didn't until you watch it on video. And I posted the video. I was like from the 10, 1797, uh, edition of ECW hardcore TV. And then somebody goes, well, actually he died. Bah, 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 bah. Like as if I was saying this was like new footage. Right. I was like, no, it was just from that episode of the show. It's, it's a tape show. It's not live every week like raw. I'm not trying to purposely say, I'm not trying to get over on anybody here. I'm just saying this footage that I saw myself with Brian Pillman and this happened to tag his son in the, the photo to go, Oh, Hey, cool. And now you're reminding his son of when the date his father died. Thanks, Dick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that, and I'm like, man, this is why I really don't. Try, I try not to post anymore because you get those, well, actually, people, they fucking come at you. And it's like, Jesus Christ. But anyway, I, it, um, it was actually cool just to, just to see that because I forgot about it. And, um, I guess one of the cool thing is looking at footage again, like, oh, I'm at, you're, you're like, oh, okay. This was at the, uh, Briarcliff, uh, Briar, Briarcliff, uh, field house in Glen Olden. Right. And, uh, 96, it had to be my first couple months in the business and in, in ECW, at least I was in the business a year and a half before I went to ECW, but it was cool to see that. And I totally forgot about it. And Brian was like super cool, even though he was doing the, uh, the loose cannon gimmick gimmick. And, uh, he had a lot of people, you know, bought into it and stuff like that, but like, he was super cool. It's cool, super cool to see that footage. I'm, I'm try. I want to try to go back and start watching, like he said, be chronologically again, just to jar some fucking memories in case I want to start writing a book or do something like that. And like, oh yeah, this happened. Oh, oh my god, I forgot about that. Because you know, the further away I get from it, you know, the more like I kind of just forget, yeah. you know. But then you you see something like that, you're like, oh my god, this happened, that happened, and blah 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 blah. And then I, you know, I could probably, you know, you know, jot down some memories and shit like that. But yeah, it was, it was cool to look, look at. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, um, I love Brian Pillman. Um, I sort of started to get aware of him in ECW. And then obviously when he came to WWF, that was kind of like life at the time. But man, I wish, you know, things had been different for him. I really do. Yeah. I wish things yeah. had been, cause I feel like he could have been, he probably could have been a world champion in that company during the attitude era with that loose cannon gimmick, like imagine the feud, obviously we're fantasy booking, which, you know, I don't generally like to do. Um, but I, I could, yeah, this is different. This is, this is yeah. different. This is instead of right. We're not writing an entire program. We're just saying what, <laughs> what could, what could have been, 
you know? That could have been a really cool angle to do. Like, suppose if he lived, right, and he beat Michaels, Austin beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, that still happened. And then the first feud he goes into is with Pillman and he loses to Pillman. That guy, that fucking shit would have written itself. Like, that would have been incredible. Absolutely. Pillman versus Pillman at like full strength, you know, without the car accident versus Shawn Michaels would have been money. Oh, God, yes. Holy shit. Pillman can go. I mean, he, um, he inspired a lot of people. Like, just this in ring work. He was doing a lot of stuff, like a lot, a lot of the springboard stuff that you really never saw. In the States, at least. Yeah. You know, you saw, you know, maybe in Japan or, you know, in the Stampede, you know, uh, but you never really saw springboard stuff in the States with the springboard clothesline and shit like that. So, I mean, Pillman versus Shawn Michaels, that that's a dream match right there. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been incredible. I just, I learned something new right now as well. Brian Pillman was the second wrestler behind Mark Marrow to receive a guaranteed contract by Vince McMahon at that time um, because of Luger, Nash, and Hall. They all received guarantees from WCW, and he was changing right. the business model. So that's a cool little tidbit right there in case you didn't know that. You learn something today by listening to the program. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, Mark Marrow uh, garnered a lot of heat because of that uh, guaranteed contract. And – I don't think people were mad at him. I think they were just mad at the concept. Like the guys who had been there the longest right. were working off of, uh, opportunities, you know, so to speak. Vince always was like, I don't, I offer opportunities. Yeah. And these guys were like, you know, working, you know, uh, show to show, you know, if you didn't work, you didn't get paid. And then for somebody to come in from the competitor and it was no slight against Mark Marrow, you know. Yeah. You know, if he can get the money, get it. But uh, a lot of the guys, you know, well, you know, it's no secret. Mick Foley had talked about it, you know, you know, being, you know, kind of hot that like he got, you know, guaranteed money. Yeah. <clears throat> but then again, you know, it set a precedent for something that other guys can get guaranteed money. So, but like Mark Maurer is an amazing person. So I, and, that's always why I hate talking about money too, because yeah. you know, you don't talk about money, religion, or politics because somebody's bound to slight you for it or hold a grudge against you for it and shit like that. But you know, uh, yeah, Mark Marrow, um, yeah, you, he, him and Pillman they were the first guys in WWE to get guaranteed money, which is which is crazy, you know. I wonder if. Um, <clears throat> If they were able to use that, you know, like as far as I, I'm sure Vince, like, you know, when they started to go, when guys started negotiating, I'm sure they used that as far as like, Hey, well, Pillman got it and Marrow got it. That's how it kind of worked from there. But yeah, I don't, yeah. I typically try to stay away from that kind of stuff too, just cause I, you know, but I thought it was fascinating that that was, he was one of the first two, oh, yeah. you know, like that's pretty, that's a pretty impressive thing. Um, and again, I mean, if that's me and I'm looking at Vince McMahon, I'm looking at the stuff that Pillman's doing, like, yeah, fuck yeah, I'm going to guarantee this guy's contract. Like this could, this could potentially be. You know, it felt like, too, like watching and thinking about it back now, it felt like Pillman was going to be set up to be that foil for Austin because they were both yeah. very similar and, like, I don't want to say, like, super similar, but, like, the blurring of reality and, and kayfabe, like, they were both really good at it. And I'm, I'm, I'm perpetually curious how much of uh, – how much influence Pillman had on the Austin character and vice versa, you know, like – how much of that was influenced by one another and how much of that they were going to play on, on one, you know, on one another. But it's a shame, man. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what you find going back into the ECW archives like that. That's, yeah. uh, 
that's going to be really cool. So, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely interesting because you know when when you're doing it, you're not really you watch the show as it airs, but you never revisit it because right. you're onto the next thing. You know, you know, uh, it's all yeah. When you're in in uh, the business, it's always on to the next. Yeah, you know, I did this now. On to the next. Uh, you know, you get into you know you you start in the Indies, and you're you know trying to get bookings. You get your booking, okay? What's the next booking? And then what's the next booking? And next booking. Then you go to ECW, and then you have like these dates you know about. You know, you do a show. On to the next. On to the next. On to the next. Then you go to WWE, and then it's on to the next booking. On to the next. On to the next. On to the next. It does. It's. It wasn't until uh, you know uh, you get released by you know WWE that you're like, okay, I can either go back to ECW or WCW, and then those both you know fold up, and then you're like, oh, what now? Right. You know, you've been busy since you've been constantly wrestling from '94 to 2000, and you know it. It should be you know. You know, you know, talking to guys like Mick and stuff like that, they're like, well, you know, even if you get fired from WWE, you can make a, a really good run on the indies, just, you know, being fresh off of TV and people can actually go, hey, former WWE superstar, the Blue Meanie, put that on the poster. Just the fact that you you enable promoters to put the letters WWE on their poster, even though it's former WWE, you have that ability now. Right, and you should should be able to make a, a good run on the Indies, but when ECW and WCW folds up, and the floodgates, the talent floodgates open up, and there's like you know all these promoters can have the pick of the litter of who they want on their show, and uh, it's like that's when it's like ooh, yeah, and you're you, you know you're fighting for you're jockeying for a position on these indie shows, and it, that's when it gets a little worrisome, and you're like ooh. I gotta figure shit out here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, it is what it is. But, um, to go back and watch those ECW shows should be interesting because there's so much I forgot about. Yeah. And you see so many faces in the crowd and you try to figure out, like I was looking through some stuff last night and I was trying to figure out which shows I was at as a fan. And then I was trying to do my own timeline because like there's, I was like in the crowd. Yeah. Like two months before my debut, you know, just hanging out, you know, like, uh, Mysterio psychosis. I want to say it was like when the hard cam pans back, you see the back of my head. Oh, that's you know, crazy. Yeah. You know, pre blue meanie, you know, you know, I had a buzz cut or whatever, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to watch that stuff back because I know so, I know so many people in the crowd. I know it takes me back, you know, I can remember the atmosphere of being in the building before the show. Yeah. There's early days of ECW and it felt like you were going to a rock concert, basically. You know, they're playing, you know, there's always like, there's always music playing, like going to the, the sound system, you know. Uh, like one of my favorite things, like pre ECW show is they would play this music and it was like before the day of days of like, you know, mashups became popular. Harry Slash, who, who eventually did the music for ECW, was basically a guy just, you know, backstage. He was Paul's buddy. And uh, they would play 
his band, the Harry Slash and the Slash Tons, and he would do like mashups. Wow. Like they would do, uh, oh my God, I'm going to fuck it up. Like, uh, it would be like Led Zeppelin ma- mashed up with the Mr. Ed theme. I know I'm fucking <laughs> up. It would be the music, <clears throat> but like the lyrics would be the Mr. Ed theme song or something like that. It, or something like that. And they, they, they would do like classic rock with like, uh, oh my God, what was that one? Maybe a Barney Miller or something like that. It's one of those classic shows. And it was always my favorite thing that eventually I got like the, uh, the songs from Harry. Right. You know, years later, I was like, dude, what were those fucking songs that you, they used to just play, you know, pre show at DCW Arena. And, uh, he, he sent it to me and it's like one of those, like, to me, it's a hidden treasure. Like, yeah. I don't care if anybody else cares about, but I care about it. You yeah. know, that I have these things that nobody else has that like was a secret part of like the ECW experience of going to that building. Yeah. You know, going to that building as a fan was interesting. And then once you're on the shows and you're sitting in a locker room and just going over things and the atmosphere and stuff like that, I'm starting to re- relive it a little bit. Hopefully, uh, it, you know, inspires me to sit down and write some stuff. You know, if my ADD doesn't take over. <laughs> Excuse me, I was going to say, are you uh, are you thinking about writing anything? Are we? Uh, I, I have a bunch. I have a bunch of stuff written down that needs work, and there's other stuff. Here's my mental uh, conundrum: is like, do I want to write something chronologically, or do I just want a bunch write a bunch of stories that you could just flip to a page and start, you know, just, you know, you don't have to worry about finishing the whole book. Like mm. some people feel like they need to write a, read a, a story straight through from concept to finish right. to where you are now. <clears throat> and then some people just do a, a book of stories, you know, I don't know what to do. You know, it's just, yeah, I got, you know, like, and what do I, who do I write about? What do I write about? Who do I, not one to write about. Yeah. All that kind of shit, you know. Who could you make up? Who do I, who, what character could you make up like Young Rock did to Shawn Michaels? Uh, oh, my in, God. In that was Rock great. Man. That was great. Oof. Yikes. Didn't realize yeah. that heat was real. Yeah, it was legit. Oof. Yeah, like it, Rock uh, refused to uh, work with Shawn Michaels. He, he felt he felt slighted. I was just watching Young Rock, and there's always that uh, legendary, legendary story. Well, not legendary, but like, uh, there, there's that story of, um, Rock conf- confronting, uh, Lars Anderson mm. in the locker room. I think he mentioned it in his book. But, uh, to see it play out on the show was pretty cool. And then they actually posted like real photos from the event, like them, you know, doing the, uh, tribute show to Peter Maivia and stuff like that. And the actors are dressed exactly like how they were in the photo and stuff like that. That's, it's pretty cool. That, Young Rock's a really good show. Yeah. It's a really good show. Yeah, I was uh I remember seeing the the uh the tweets about it and being like, what the hell is this? And something like Frost was the guy's name that they ended up with the character. And I was like Chad oh, Frost or Chad, something like yeah, that. Yeah, which of course Chad, you know. Um I don't think that was a mistake using that name. But yeah, I just had no idea. Like I know that <clears throat> the legend is that that, you know, DX kind of had it out for Rock a little bit in the very beginning of his his career, but I didn't realize that it was that serious. So all right. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, 
I would love, I, I mean, anything you write is going to be great. So I would be curious to hear your stories. I know you're a great writer as it is. Cause I recall your blogging days from back many moons ago. Uh, so yeah, I, I wish I had that. I wish I had that shit saved. Cause that would be a perfect way just to have stuff already in a can. You know, I, I tried to look at, I try to look at my old website through the Wayback Machine website. Yeah. And a lot of shit still is just not there. I, I, like the Wayback Machine is uh, like a digital archive of the internet. You can go back to a certain year and look at certain sites and they're encapsulated. And uh, my site's on there, but like there's a lot of things just not on there anymore. Like I, it was called the Meanie Message was my blog and I would just write about my life. And, uh, I was inspired by guys like Jericho. Jericho was, would do a blog and stuff like that. Here it is. I just found it. It's blue. The meaning message right here. Yeah. This is cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a few things on there, but I know I wrote more detailed stories, you know, like the time we ribbed, uh, like when I went to Memphis and we ribbed, uh, Jim Neidhart with a rubber chicken. <laughs> <laughs> During the course of a match, uh, WWE sent us down to Memphis, you know, to try out new shit. And, uh, I lost a bunch of weight and I was trying to think of a new character. And, uh, Jim Neidhart was down there and he was like, like, uh, WWE had him be like the head guy, like, yeah, train us, do things, this, that, and everything. I was in the tag team with, uh, Nightheart, we were at the New Heart Foundation, which, it was just something to do. Yeah. And, uh, there was a show where Nightheart was wrestling Reckless Youth and we we're in, uh, Blytheville, Arkansas, which was horrible. Um, the first show was amazing because they had Lawler on the show and the building was packed. Right. But the promoter who, the, the guy that they entrusted to run this developmental territory, did nothing to promote it. We would drive like an hour to Arkansas to basically wrestle in a, in a building where there was no fans and because, because it wasn't promoted. So I was like, dude, we could just stay to Memphis and just practice if we're just going to wrestle in front of nobody. But, um, we, uh, I forget what it was. We were just like having fun with Jim and Jim was going to work reckless youth. And, um, they wanted me to, we were talking about how I was going to run out, you know, uh, Reckless Youth would be down at one point. I'd run out and try to throw a night-hearted chain or a weapon. I was like, I'll throw you something. And you go to pick it up off the ground and then, uh, you know, Reckless would just schoolboy up real quick, one, two, three, and, you know, slip out and, and that. But me and Reckless Youth had been walking through the mall, like during the week, and we saw like a, a rubber chicken at, uh, Spencer's or something like that or hot. No, no, it was Spencer's. I don't think hot topic had the rubber chicken. And, uh, I was like, dude, what if I fucking threw this rubber chicken in? And we're like, we're giggling like a couple schoolgirls. And it's not really anything of a big deal because there's no fucking fans there. Right. It's like, we're just there. I'm like looking at it. I'm like, why is this guy not promote the fucking town? Why are we wasting gas driving here to do this? We're here to get better. The only way to get better is to wrestle in front of fucking fans. That's the only way. I mean, you can practice and do drills all day, but unless you're in front of actual fucking humans, you don't really know what works. Right, right. 
and you got to work in front of different people. You know, if you're working in front of the same fucking hundred people every week, they're just going to react the same way every way. You, you don't know what's right or wrong until you go somewhere else. And then you realize, Ooh, that thing doesn't work everywhere. But anyway, so reckless is working, uh, Nightheart. And there the spots coming up. I'm peeking through and I see the thing. And I got, I run out down the aisle. I go, Jim, Jim. Yeah, and he looks at me and goes, use this. And I reach from underneath my shirt like I'm going to throw him like, you know, a chain or brass knucks or whatever. I pull this rubber chicken out of my fucking shirt that I was wearing. And I do the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sky hook. And he catches it. And the look, the legit look of shock on his face. And he looked down, looked up at me, and then got schoolboy it was like so perfect like as if we planned the spot he like looked down oh shit there's a rubber chicken look at that hey oh shit you threw a rubber chicken here comes the schoolboy one two three and he rolled out and then we're like oh no you know oh shit bye, bye, bye. When we get back to the locker room and uh jim comes in and goes uh meanie yeah jim uh rubber chicken huh <laughs> yeah that's that's all I had. Sorry. Hey, yeah. Had to make it work. You <laughs> got to do something. He laughed it off. It was, it was all in good fun. It was, it was a harmless rib. But see, that's in front the, of nobody. That's the thing though is this is good shit though, man. Like this is good shit and people would love reading this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like oh, this, yeah. is, this is all good stuff. Like this is, I feel like you have a really unique, ex, like a uh, viewpoint because you were in ECW and because you were in there during like a lot of that attitude area in WWE. Like that's a really unique position because you're kind of straddling both worlds you know i dude i would love to read that man what do you all think oh, thank you what do you all think tweet at meanie and find and let them know uh tweet yeah. at blue meanie bwo let them know would you rather read a chronological story or would you rather read like pick up the book and say okay well what do you want to know about you want to talk about new jack you want to talk about mass transit you want to talk about paul Heyman? like what do you want to talk about and uh yeah. and you know not to borrow a phrase from the king of the south but uh you know go and and, and ask him tweet him let him know what you think but i personally would love to read a, a chronological story i love being uh i love taking the voyage in a story you know and from from pillar to post so what i have to interrupt the program real fast this is a public service announcement let's do it our friends at manscape now have beard products and is even going further with the brand new weed whacker 2.0 Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in the below-the-waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools in your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using promo code MINDMEANY for 20% off plus free Shipping and meaning, I have to tell you, the Beard Hedger Pro Kit and the Weed Whacker 2.0 have helped me with my beard line. I feel like my face is looking a little chonky these days. I got my lines cut up real nice. I got everything blended really well together here, and it's really helped boost me. How has it helped you with your current mustachioed face? <laughs> well, let me tell you, my friend, uh, I am known for my beard, uh, being the blue guy here. And, uh, you know, this, you know, Manscaped is doing a fantastic job. They've, they've kept me looking good from the waist down for so long, but now from the neck up, I am looking great with this great beard trimmer. 
And I'll tell you what, you have to meet the Beard Hedger Pro Kit is the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft your signature look just like the Blue Meanie. Or if you want to look like me, you can. I wouldn't suggest that, but you could if you wanted to. It all starts with the cordless electric Beard Hedger. The Beard Hedger is tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. That's what she said. That brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. Also what she said. Wow, they really laid me up here, Meanie. Uh, this waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair-cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. Uh, the uh, Pro Kit also comes with four dermatologist-tested formulations for your post-trim care. This includes Manscaped's Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, Beard Oil, and Beard Balm to moisturize style and shimmer your new beard. Plus, the kit has three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors. With a nice beard, your face is going to feel perfectly groomed, right, Beanie? Wrong! You need to keep an eye on those tough-to-trim ears and nose hairs, which we both know I stare at while I'm recording because I'm like, holy crap, I forgot to cut them today. But I won't forget any more, sir, with the brand-new Weed Whacker 2.0, which offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with a no-tugging guarantee. Uh, it's never been so painless to mind your manholes. Now that you have your face looking great, you must try Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 for the full groomed body experience your significant other will be delighted to see you covering all the bases if you know what i mean i know courtney's excited to see little john and the east side boys trimmed up very well uh, i'm sure mrs meanie enjoys the views as well don't forget go to manscape.com and get 20 percent off plus free shipping by using promo code mind meanie that's 20 percent off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com and use promo code MINDMEANY. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And as always, we thank them for sponsoring the program. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I would love to hear it, man. I would love to yeah. love to see it. But one thing I do love to see as well before we get into Ask Meanie, is the first nominee, uh, at least as of today, uh, recording on Saturday, March 11th, the first nominee uh, for the WWE Hall of Fame is Rey Mysterio, yes. which I did not see coming. But fuck, what yeah. an honor, man. Dude, well, he's had, he's had the career. I mean, and it's, it's unique, unique New York. Unique, <laughs> unique, the arsonist unique, has oddly shaped feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry. That's okay. Uh, uh, what do we call it? This mustache is throwing me off. Um, uh, <laughs> trying to get, trying to get used to my mouth. Um, <laughs> no, no, dude. It's unique that, you know, somebody's inducted into the Hall of Fame while they're still on the active roster, yep. so to speak. Normally you, you wait for somebody to be retired or there's been times when people, you know, retired and, get put in but then they come back you know in the case of edge you know stuff like that so to me it's unique that like he's still actively wrestling still doing stuff but he's going to be inducted and it's awesome guy's been wrestling since he was a teenager yeah you know um since the the 90s you know late 80s i think ladies early 90s definitely early 90s i'm up on his wikipedia right now i'm looking it up uh let's see he started 1989 he was nice. 14 years old in Mexico and when he dated. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he deserves it. And he, uh, guy's a pioneer. Yeah. He, uh, 
brought, I mean, Lucha has been popular, right? Uh, everybody knows about Lucha Libre and, uh, you know, Mills Masqueras and stuff like that. But he was the one, to, in my opinion, one of the first guys to merge American style and Lucha style, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but uh, it's it's my opinion, and it's not a fact. So, to me, he's the first guy who brought Lucha to the States and incorporated Lucha style with American style and made it work. And uh, talk about all the influences, you know, he's had on this business and other wrestlers that they created, you know, a cruiserweight division, yeah. you know for that style of, of wrestling. And, uh, in a lot, in a lot of ways, the cruiserweight division in WCW was better than the main, you know, the upper, those, uh, those cruiserweight matches were better than most of the stuff that was on those WCW shows. Yes. I think, I think those were the, to me, they were the thing. I mean, Hogan might've been drawing and NWO was drawing and stuff like that, but the under, those undercards were fucking amazing. Yes. And I think to me, I think that's what, was the glue that, you know, kept those shows together. So, you know, Ray Mysterio, and, and I, it's funny you, you bring this up because I was talking about, I was at Ray Mysterio's debut in ECW, like, a couple, like a couple months before I debuted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you get to, you know, uh, meet him, you know, and sweetheart of a guy, uh, him, psychosis, movie, you know, there's that, there's that, group that you know came to america and just like revolutionized the style i mean you know in the early 80s you know there was the tiger mask dynamite kid match yeah which uh you know you know influenced a wave of people through the 80s and then you get to the 90s and it it's easily you could easily say ray mysterio yeah ray mysterio eddie guerrero you know that whole crew that that was that was, that was like they were like you know, uh, I, there's a there's a, a there was a uh, example I was about this site, but like it, it totally blew my mind. But like that crew of people changed American wrestling for yeah. the better. You know, well, some people say for the worse because you know uh, you come wow. well just because well no. Just because you come in and do a style that's great and all the copycats yeah. take the best parts and make it worse kind of thing, you know? Well, yeah, because like, you're like, 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 well, like, like when Eddie Van Halen started doing the finger tapping and it was amazing and all this stuff. Like Eddie Van, like, here's where I would compare Ray Mysterio to Eddie Van Halen. Right? I'm writing this down for the show notes. Hold on. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, Eddie came out. And had a style, like a lot of people did stuff on the, on the, on the neck with their hands. But what Eddie did was totally different than anything anybody had ever done. And like to the point where when he would do his guitar solely, he would have to turn his back to the crowd because he didn't want anybody copying the shit. But then Van Halen one comes out, Van Halen one comes out and then, you know, the cat's out of the bag. And then as Eddie Van Halen's becoming like this guitar god, there's a ton of people copying him. And when they're trying to do what he does, it just looks like a cheap trick. Not not the band. Right. But it just looks like a gimmick. It looks like a gimmick, you know? So Ray Mysterio comes along 
and he's doing all this really cool stuff, mixing the lucha with the American style and all that stuff. And then there, you know, you get guys on the indies who try to do that stuff and it just looks like a cheap imitation and there's no selling and yeah, you know, just, uh, the spot monkeys, you know, if you want to, you know, use that term, you know, the, the, the spot monkeys who try to copy them on it. Cause it's, you know, wrestling, like most forms of entertainment or sports is a copycat league. You know, uh, you know, when Jericho debuted in 99, he came out in that shiny shirt. Every motherfucker on Indies had a shiny shirt after yes, that. Yes, they did. Yeah. Which I, I called them the heat shirts. You know, you go to Hot Topic <laughs> to get yourself a shiny heat shirt. But, uh, you know, Mysterio came on the scene. Everybody tried to do his stuff, and it just wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, 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 that, that speaks to the person, too, because if everybody's trying to copy and their shit doesn't look as good as your shit, that makes your shit look even more pristine so to speak you know but uh you know maybe i phrased that word you know you know saying some you know his stuff made things worse it didn't make things worse it made things worse in the fact that you know the people trying to copy his shit this did it really bad did a really bad imitation and i think it's kind of the same thing now these days right like you look at like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time was dean malenko i just love watching yeah. his matches like he's just so fucking good technically sound the guy crisp. Can him, what yeah crisp and smooth and like everything the guy did was great and like you even you said it here earlier like watching the cruiserweight matches on wcw was like a mainstay for us when we would watch like nitro was cruiserweights when they were on it was yeah. the nwo and it was cruiserweights everything else was kind of like eh, you know like but i loved watching those matches and it and i think the reason a lot of times, and, I, and again, I'm, this is my personal preference. I want to make sure I'm clear on this, friends. I'm not shitting on anybody, uh, you know, current roster people. This is just my opinion um, as far as what my tastes are when it comes to wrestling. So please don't fucking bombard me with tweets because I, well, first of all, you're just going to get muted. And second of all, I don't, I don't give a shit, right? But anyway, <laughs> I, I digress. I think that what's missing for me sometimes with more of the elite style matches where there's a lot of flips and dives and, and, and I, for lack of a better word, gymnastic moves yeah. for me, the story isn't there, right? Like when you would watch, when you watch Rey Mysterio do something like that in the nineties or even today, when you would watch Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, um, you know, some of the other folks that are in that, that, that cruiserweight division, there were stories being told. There was, there was, there was a reason to the movement. There was a reason for why they were doing this. And I think you're right in a lot of aspects. People took that. And even Rob Van Dam, you know, Rob Van Dam took a lot of that style, but created a new avenue for it where he was telling a story while he was right. doing the moves, right? It's, it's, R- it's R- Rob's stuff meant something. Exactly. It's like George Carlin says it about blues music. It's not about the notes themselves. It's about why the notes need to be played. Rob yes. Van Dam knows how to play those fucking notes. Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, they knew how to play those notes. And I think I agree with what you're saying and what I kind of what you're saying as well. It's like no one knows how to play the notes anymore. Everybody's just yeah. out there to do the moves to be like, oh, my God, look at how big and flashy and fancy we are. But there's not any substance to it. It's not evolving the story. It's not telling a story in any way, shape or form. Yeah. So I think I think in that aspect I agree with you a hundred percent. But again, for me too, it's like I don't see why this is necessary if you're not promoting or pushing 
something along with the storyline. Um, and I think yeah, that's when I did, where it's like missing when, for me. Yeah, like when I would do a moonsault, you know, not that I'm in the, a league with Ray or RVD, but like me, a big 300-pound guy doing a moonsault is spectacular. If I just did it just to do, do it, it's it, then it's cheap. But like e, I, anytime I would do the moonsault, it was either to end the match for my opponent if I missed it, it usually ended the match for myself. Right. You know, I didn't get up and do 180 more moves after doing a moonsault. You know, like if I hit the moonsault, that usually that was one, two, three, and right. I would win. If the guy rolled out of the way, he would fucking hit me with something. I would be, you know, I missed a moonsault, which knocks the wind out of me. I get up, sell. The guy hits me with a move. Like I tried to do the moonsault on Rhino in ECW. He rolled out of the way. Boom. I get up, saw my ribs, turn around, spear, or gore, one, two, three. It meant something, you know? We right. did, I didn't miss it and then do a hurricanrana, you know? Right. But, you know. Just to do a hurricanrana, right? I think even you did the, the, did you do a, um, the moonsault on, in the JBL match? Cause even that, it's yeah. like, cause even yeah. then in that moment, it's like, okay, this means something, right? You know, the story coming into it. You know that this is set up, and again, I don't mean to bring it up. I'm just using it contextually. No, 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 no. Um, no which that'll be, uh, as friends, if you're paying attention, next week we were going to go the full deep dive omnibus into the fight between JBL and Blue Meanie. Never been told before, <laughs> never been talked about. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but again, it's like it's it. you did it for a reason, right? Like this is your move. This is your signature move, and it means something when you do the move because you're trying to elevate the story. You are coming right. back for your revenge on a JBL. You're, you're, you're doing the moonsault. Um, CV hits him with that graceful chair shot, and then one, two, three, it's end. And you're like, right? Like, it's that's the story that you're telling, you're advancing the storyline. If I wanted yeah. to watch people do backflips and 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 spinning kicks and cartwheels and shit, I would go to the ballet, right? Nothing wrong with the ballet. I love the Nutcracker. Like, it's one of my favorite shows on Broadway, but like, I don't want to see this because it doesn't mean anything to me. It's not telling me anything. Like, Yes, right. it's very, it's very impressive. It's incredibly impressive. It is like physically, I'm not someone who could do that, but that's not how I, I'm not entertained by that. Is that, is that out of line to say, or is that just, is that, I feel like I, I'm going to upset somebody by saying that, you know, I mean, not you, like, it's nah. like, I feel like I'm going to upset listeners by saying that, but that's not meant in a pejorative eh. way. That's your opinion. You know, it's just how I feel about it. I don't know. Um, and if you see me hit that moonsault on Bradshaw in that match, I hook it. I do the mother of, mother of all leg hooks. I'm just like trying to make it look like why, like mm -hmm. make people believe that's it. You know, you do a moonsault now, and people are like, okay, this this is where he kicks out. It, it's like you can almost call it. You know? Yeah, I just I you got to protect these moves. And again, but again, back to it. Like Rey Mysterio was one of those people yes. who. Just elevated, elevated the, the, the art of pro wrestling, elevated the storytelling, elevated the, the physicality and the agility of being in professional wrestling. And I can't think of anybody who deserves it more than he does. Dude, his, uh, in the ECW opening, like his springboard Frankensteiner into a, a cradle pin was in the ECW opening for like, a good while, and it was mm -hmm. one of the most unbelievable things I've ever seen in my life to, to be able to, you know, jump up in the air, jump on the top rope, land your legs on, you know, psychosis' shoulders, and then have the wherewithal and the trust 
that you can, you're going to swing backwards through his legs, not clunk your head on the mat or give yourself the mother of all rug burns on the top of your scalp. Go through and the other guy's going to roll forward and you're going to be perfectly, you know, pinning the guy with the light, you know, his legs hooked. One of the most incredible. It looks, it looks like CGI in real life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It was, uh, but like it, it was amazing. It's amazing. It still is amazing, you know? And the fact that, you know, he, his body's taking a toll, you know, you know, that style, you know, comes with a price. And the fact that he's still able to do it and still go, you know, and still do moves like that, you know, God bless him. You know, yeah. I, I have to do some of those moves just to get out of bed in the morning. Just, you know, uh, all right, with one, two, and three. And I'm out. Roll of myself up. Yeah. Getting up. Okay. We're doing this. Let's go. All right. <laughs> and he sticks to landing. Uh, <laughs> and the flowers are still steady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, you know, I have to do some of those moves just to get out of bed, but God bless Ray, man. I love yeah. Ray. I got to spend, uh, some quality time with Ray. I did, I got, we both got booked on for an independent over in Hawaii once. Mm, and, uh, that's cool. in o- Oahu, uh, Hawaii. Mm. And, uh, I was over there and he brought his entire family. He brought, uh, his wife. He brought young Dominic. And, um, his daughter. Before jail time. Before jail time, of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was a young hearted man, you know, uh, back then. Uh, and his baby was just like, his daughter was still just like an infant. They're carrying around in the, the crib. But it was cool. Like, um, the day after the show, the promoters and, you know, the crew took us around the island and we're just, you know, standing on edges of, uh, standing on the edge of, uh, was it Kilauea? Mm. Like looking down into the, the volcano and stuff like that. His daughter, Aaliyah, that's the name I was That's Aaliyah. Aaliyah. She was just a li- little baby. She was just like, just carrying her around in a, in a, not a crib, but a, you know, like a car seat like thing. And, uh, it's just kind of cool to, you know, just have like, cause when you go, you know, you, you you see guys, it's always at shows. It's always, I see at the next booking. Yeah. But, you know, to actually, you know, go around and go to a macadamia nut plant in Oahu, you know, Oahu where they make them and to see like the beautiful scenery, you know, me, you know, getting to chill with him and his family and then to watch Dominic grow up to what he's become this incredible performer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And now I know what's, I now, now I know what Martha Stewart went through, you know, it just <laughs> the way he sells it too, man. Yeah. It's just so fucking good. Like the fact that he's yeah. just like, he know, I like, I can't imagine what it must be like when they get ready to say some of that stuff. Like I can't, you know, like even last night watching Jimmy when he's yelling at Kayla Braxton, he's cracking when he walks away from the screen. Like Jimmy Uso is the Jimmy Fallon of the bloodline, by the way. Like you can't give him any lines cause he's just going to, he's yeah. going to lose his shit. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's like, like thinking about how hilarious some of that stuff must be and how, like, do they practice it enough so they don't break while they're on screen? Like the shit's just so fucking good, man. Like, like, uh, uh, the- <coughs> go ahead. No, that, that was the cool thing about having my character. Cause I would just, you know, my mannerism would be like, <laughs> so if somebody legit did something to, to pop me, I could just go, and I'm legit like popping, you know? Did that ever I was, happen to uh, you on live TV? 
Well, I was telling this story the other day uh, with somebody. You know, somebody's asking me about you know the gold dust mommy thing, mm. and I said, I said we actually explained why I called gold dust mommy, but never made air because we we're it was Sunday night heat, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, me and Gold Dust go to the ring to do a promo, and like. We're going over to promo in the back. I'm fucking dying. He's like, you know, Goldust is like, anybody could be a good father, whether it's Ward Cleaver or Darth Vader, you know, and he lists all these things. I'm just like fucking like, oh my God. And, uh, but only one man could be a good mother. Gold. And I go out and do the promo and it's in Dayton, Ohio, but like the show's happening during like this really bad thunderstorm or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the satellite goes out. So our segment never made air. Oh, so we did the reason why I called her mommy, but nobody knows why until recently where they put everything up on the network and that episode of Sunday night heats on the network. So I want to say it was like February 99. If you go on Sunday night, Heat from Dayton, Ohio or whatever you can, finally see that promo why and but like I, the whole time i'm trying not to i'm I'm laughing but it's not like in character laughing i'm like <laughs> darth vader you know you know and i know I'm, 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 I'm i left a bunch of names out he, he rattled off some na- names of notable fathers and i was just fucking it was fucking brilliant that's great you know? man that's great i'll have to go back and take a look at it i'd love to, love to get the context on it yeah. um one thing I wanted to mention, though, uh, briefly, uh, we are at the four-year mark of COVID-19. I just got an alert what? on my phone. Yeah, today. It's been four years. Today Jesus. starts year four of the lockdown. Um, or That's the amazing. anniversary of the lockdown. I can't believe Not amazing. That. Not amazing, but astounding that. Yeah. 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 It's COVID-19, 2019, and we're in 2023. Yeah. They named it COVID-19, by the way, because they identified the strain of SARS on December 31st of 2019. That's why it's called COVID, because it was identified 2019. Science. Um, but I can't believe as, as it. As, as opposed to the people who thought it was like the 19th or something like that, something weird. What about the, Our, what about the other 18 strains of COVID? What about the other 18? That's... Oh, oh conspiracy, conspiracy on the Lysol can says it fights... Uh, co- uh, co- strains of COVID, uh, conspiracy. It's on the Lysol can, and the Lysol can was out before COVID nineteen. They knew. That's yeah. because the Fuck stuff you. Existed. That's because the stuff existed before COVID nineteen. Yeah. It did. God damn it! It's a strain of Yo- it's a strain of SARS. Yokas. Yeah. How, how do you make Yokas? How do you make a a vaccine in three months? Yokas. Uh. <laughs> They're not firefighters. They don't start the fucking vaccine when the thing happens. It's right. already in the works. They just gotta. I can tell you. How they, I can tell you how they did it because my mom worked on the fucking shit at University of Delaware. I can tell you exactly okay. how they did it, man. They fucking Sa- fucking South Philly scientists. Jesus Christ, man! They had been working yeah. on this vaccine for twenty years before when they discovered a SARS variant in Japan. Uh, yeah. I think it was it was something like swine flu or something along those lines. Whatever the SARS variant was. And when yeah. when Trump had, did the warp speed stuff and they threw all the money at it, they were able to basically they had found like all of those 
the SARS diseases and the, all the, the um, viruses, they all share the same chemical components and the same design almost. And so they were able to basically take what they had done already and map it to COVID-19. And once they got that influx of money from all the governments around the world, they were able to basically like fast track developing all these things. That's how they did it. Like this, it, if right. they hadn't have just like to be clear, if they hadn't have done that stuff back 20 years ago, we would probably still be waiting for a vaccine at this point because it doesn't happen yeah. that quickly. But, um, what is, and your, that's, and that? that's how the, and that's how the swine flu became a cured ham. <laughs> I like it. I just, uh, I think about, you know, WrestleMania, uh, when I think about the lockdown, cause it's just so like, so bizarre. It was such a yeah. weird time, you know? Well, this we podcast started, to, this podcast was started right during the podcast, during the, uh, the pandemic. Lockdown. Yeah, the lockdown. Uh, we, we were going to do it at like the university, uh, I forget where. We're actually supposed to go into a studio and record it and then they, Lockdown happened. Everything shut down. It's like fuck. Let's do it from home. And then like the from home thing. Yeah. Everybody's doing things from home now. I got yeah. this fucking studio. I I converted like a, a room in my house specifically to uh, you know do this stuff, do this show, do interviews, do everything. You know, it's it's crazy. It's cool though that we're able to do this. Like Foundation Radio was like a totally different show pre-pandemic. Like we have, as me and a bunch of my buddies, we'd sit around and talk and bullshit and like, you know, we interviewed Tommy Chong, but it wasn't like in earnest the way I started doing them after the lockdown. Because yeah. I'm going, well, fuck, how am I going to keep this show like moving? How am I going to like keep this thing fresh? And I was like, well, maybe I'll just start reaching out to people because we're all stuck in places, right? We used um, Discord for a while. There was a, uh, I think you guys had a Discord server here for Mind of the Meanie. Um, but we would record our shows. We'd all jump onto the server and we would record them and we play Dungeons and Dragons. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, well, I want to start doing interviews more. And that's what landed me here. Uh, so it's just, it's weird to think about how long it's been, you know, like both of my daughters don't really, you know, my, my youngest daughter won't remember anything that's pre pandemic, but Sophie has no recollection of, yeah, I told the story here before on the show, but like we were watching TV when she was really young. And she was like three or four. We were probably in Pittsburgh. And she's like, look, daddy, they're not wearing masks while they're outside. They're not wearing masks while they're in the store. And she had no concept of the fact that like that was a thing before the pandemic. Yeah. Now she's now, you know, obviously now that she's used to it now. But back then it was like, yeah. daddy, they're not wearing masks in the store. They might be in trouble, you know. So it's just crazy, man. Just a crazy, uh, crazy time to be alive. But uh, yeah. uh, another not crazy question for you, sir. Now, crazy yes. moment in time. Is sure. the moment I'm going to ask you, sir? I have a question. <laughs> Are you ready to ask me any? I would love to. You. It's time to ask, me ask me something. I can't remember what regular <laughs> air smells like. It's the shits. Don't forget. <laughs> Drop the that, that, that one fart sounded extra beefy for some reason. <laughs> I think the pause in between the two clips made it even. Gave it new life. <laughs> I had one that was so loud the other day. I woke up and it was like forceful. Like I grunted while I let it out. And Corey was like, please go to the doctor. Go see a physician. Yeah. Um, Last night I was fucking drilling the fucking sawdust into the fucking, through the couch into the floor. 
Oh my god, man. Don't forget to tweet us your questions using the hashtag AskMeany and you'll hear them asked on the program. First question yeah. today comes from Pod Squad member Travis. Hey now. What up, uh, Trav? What's your record for most amount of days wrestling without a day off? And what is the most hectic travel week you can remember while in wrestling? Dude, I wish I could remember the exact date. There was a period where I was on the road for like two weeks. There was, yeah, it was like two weeks straight. And it was, it was rough. Like I knew I was, I had like two days off. Like I did one loop. I came home for like two days, three days. And I knew the next loop was going to be fucking brutal. I probably had, there's that website, uh, historywwe.com that has all the shows. That sometimes I reference and try to remember shit, but um, yeah, we left for two weeks and uh, you know wrestling every day, and you go to come home, and you're in your, your final layover. You're you're flying to Philly, and you just want to go home and lay in your own fucking bed. You know, you're on the road, you're wrestling, you're calling home, checking in on people, this, that, and the other thing. Meanwhile, you you have the dream job, and you, you love what you do, and you love where you're going, and you love what the the per- people you're working with. But at one point, you're like, man, I just want to get the fuck home. Yeah, I just want to go home. I just lay in my bed, and uh, flying home. It's the last layover, and something's going on at the Philly airport, and we're just circling. And like it added an hour to the flight. I was like, they must have known I'm coming home off a two week tour. This is a rib. And you're just kind of like getting that. That's the, the one bad thing about it. Like I found myself being a little bit more agitated, mm-hmm. you know, just at certain things. Like, you know, uh, you go to the store and you know, you're being followed. You know, you know, people are, there's one thing to be on TV in Philly on ECW, but to be in Philly. On WWE TV, and you're going to Walmart, and you feel people pacing your shit. Like you're walking down one aisle, one main aisle, and you're looking down that aisle for like the thing you're looking for, and you see somebody at the other end of the aisle, and they're stopping when you stop, and they're walking when you walk, and you're like, "Ooh, this is kind of weird." Yeah, I meant to ask you. I don't mean to jump in, but it made me think of something right. that I don't know if we talked about before. Um, Ray Mysterio, actually, he was like approached at the airport. With the autographs and stuff, did we talk about that? Right. I can't remember if we did. Um, I don't think we did. Yeah. Do you, do you did you see those videos? And Liv Morgan had a similar video where she was just looking super fucking pissed. Oh, I lived that. Crazy. I mean, those, those those folks were not those specific folks, but people like that existed when I was in WWE. You go to the airport at five a.m. because they, you know, you hate that you're getting up that early because like. Say you wrestle and you go to, you know, you drive to the airport or you drive from the building to the hotel, check in at one, your flight's at six. So, you know, you're spending all this money to sleep for, you know, from one to four, you know, to get up and get to the airport at five for a, a six o'clock flight. And then there's somebody at the airport with a stack of eight by tens that want you, wants you, expects you to sign all these things so they can make money. Now, if somebody came to me with like, 
you know, flash some cash. Hey, I'll pay you X amount to sign X amount. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But just to rent, you know, it's like me just get here. Here's my wallet. Just take my wallet. You know, that's, that, that's the equivalent of here, sign all these photos for free. So I just go somewhere there and I'd be like, and then, and then the one thing, you know, you, you say, nah, I'm not signing that. And then you go to the thing to check in for your flight and they'll, they'll send like a little kid over because now you can't turn them down because, oh, blue meanie turned down the little kid, right? So you sign them for the little kid and like, yes, little girl, I appreciate you coming over here. I'm going to sign one. Yep. Yeah. And that's it. <clears throat> now, if they said, Hey, here's a stack of photos for you to keep. That's a fair trade off. And I'll, you give me X amount of photos to keep. I'll sign in X amount for you for to sell. And I sit on them for a couple years. And then when I'm, you know, back on the Indies and, you know, doing internet, doing, uh, conventions. Sure. I got a stack of photos here. I can just, you know, whatever. It's right. called bartering. Well, let's yeah. barter. But I didn't, you know, uh, and, you know, the, you know, look at CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. Yeah. You know, guys at the airport want me to sign this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I was, you know, on the week, uh, on the road for two weeks, circling the airport. You just want to get home. So you land, you, you, you catch a cab, the cab, you know, I live in South Philly, so the cab drivers always give me a fucking attitude. Jeez. Because because when you, you're a cab driver at the airport, you, you get into this pen. You know, you get into a, a queue to wait for, uh, you know, a ride to give somebody a ride. So you're hoping that you know, if you're at the airport, you're expecting somebody to go far enough to you know to get like a sixty dollar fare, seventy dollar fare, eighty dollar fare. I'm in South Philly. I'm a twenty dollar fare. So they just waited in line for an hour to take somebody out of the airport. I go, uh, South Philly, please. And they're like, fuck. You know, it's a, it's a major fucking attitude to where, you know, they're, they're real shit. And, and I, I pretend like I'm writing down their fucking, I, their license number or whatever. And then they fucking lighten the fuck up. I, oh, what, what's your last, how do you spell your last name? <laughs> what, what, what's, what's, is that a two? Is that, you know, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, right away. South Philly, sir. But, um, so yeah, you land, cab driver's giving you shit, you get home, you get to your house, you put the key in the door, you walk up the steps, you kiss, I kiss my grandmom, hello, I kiss my mom, hello, so I'm going to take a, I'm going to go take a little nappy poo, go in, drop my bag, sit on my bed, lay backwards, don't even change out of my clothes. Then the phone rings in the living room and my grandma goes, Bry! The doctor's office across the street wants to know if you could bring over some eight by tens. They saw you walk in the house. I'm like, not now. <laughs> and then I have to heal my grandmother because <laughs> of everything. Know, I just, everything, dude. The the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like so true. It's just like all the goofy shit that happens while you're traveling, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, being away for like, I remember that two week loop. I can't, I know one of those cities was like Arizona or something like that. And Don Fry would just happen to be hanging out or something like that. And just, you just weird things you remember. You know, you're using calling cards, you know, on pay phones instead of cell phones and this, that and the other thing. And then eventually I, I got a cell phone 
for a, a bargain of a hundred dollars a month or whatever. I don't know. And then, you know, uh, it's still weird days, like weird things being in the wrestling business in the nineties that guys in the business now have no idea of the struggle of, you know, reading a map while you're driving while eating a cheeseburger, you know, just, you know, the shit you got to do to, you know, make the towns, brother, you know, but, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a, that was a two week loop, like 99. Yeah. And, uh, I get home, drop my bags, lay in bed. I'm like, <sighs> ring, 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 ring. Right. <laughs> the nurse is across the street at Dr. So-and-so's office. Saw you come in. Can you bring over some apotens? Not now. <laughs> like Chris Farley, please let me sleep for the love of God. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, my God. Yeah, that, yeah, just, oof. Mark and Dryden wants to know, out of most of the wrestlers you were around, did many of them really care about being at the top? Or were they just content to make money to pay their mortgages and feed their families? Uh, it's just, it's interesting. You, you get so many different characters in the business. Uh, some are all about business and being at the top, which is cool. <laughs> I was in a, you know, when I went to ECW and went to WWE, I was in the, in a, such a unfortunate, not unfortunate, it was in such a unique position to where I was only, only in the business a year and a half when I got to ECW. And I was in ECW for three years. So I was in the business maybe four and a half years, if my math's correct, which probably, uh, when I got to WWE, I was 24. Five, maybe when I get to WWE. And when you're, you know, most people, you know, go to WWE, they've been in the business. Like, you know, when Al Snow went to WWE, he had been in the business for 15 years. Right. So, you know, he kind of knew things a little bit better than I would have at that point in my career. But, uh, uh, there, there's just, there's people who are kind of happy to be there. Then there's, you know, the, you know, the weekend warrior types that, you know, Wrestled on the weekend, but they had a day job, but they treated the business. I mean, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you treat the business with respect. Then there are people who are full time wrestlers. You know, then you get guys who, you know, in ECW, you get a, you know, a melting pot of people. You got people coming in from Canada or stuff like that. They, you know, you know road tested, you know, fucking professionals. Everybody was different, you know. You can look look around the room and get a you know a whole. There's people who lived serious, clean cut lives, and there's guys who were the partiers. They were like, "Man, I can't wait to see we, uh, the talent back at the uh, the bar after the show." You know, you know. So uh, it was a little bit of everything. No matter where you went, you know, there's the guys who were straight lace and serious, and there's guys that was basically like Animal House, you know. ECW was a little bit, you know, I always say ECW was like, you know, one part major league, one part slap shot, animal <laughs> house. You I know, can see it though. I can see that. Ball, Balls Mahoney's Blue Tarski, you know, or, you know, Blue Doe or whatever. John, <laughs> what's his name? Um, dude, I am shitty with names today. Shane Douglas feels uh, like he'd be Niedermeyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 
there, there, there's, there's sort of a reason why I identify with so many different movies and shit like that. I was like, yeah, that's, I've lived that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Our friend Primetime Grape has the last question oh. of the day. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'm exhausted from moving. So here's a simple one this week. How are you guys? <laughs> Even when he's not trying to be funny, he's funny. <laughs> uh, I'm good. I'm good, dude. Life is grand. Yeah, yeah. A little chilly. I'm waiting for the fucking warmer weather to get here. And uh, yeah. a little, uh, little nas- yeah. I'm a little nasally from this fucking head cold, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm good. Good otherwise. Yeah. I'm uh, a warm, uh, kind of sticky. I'm doing the podcast uh, after the podcast, probably. Drink a, a bottle of kombucha, and uh, you know. I hear that's good for that's the my new colon. Thing. It's good for the cleansing that's, of colon. Yeah, kombucha. Like that's my new thing. I've been drinking kombucha, like at least a bottle a day, and uh, it's supposed to be good for gut health. And uh, <laughs> I have plenty of yeah, I have plenty of gut. So uh, yeah, it's very good. There's a, a company called Health Aid. It's weird. I think I mentioned this. I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod before. Like. I started drinking this one product, Health Aid, and all of a sudden, like the ads start popping up on YouTube and on my Hulu ads and stuff like that, like for this <laughs> product that I thought I discovered on its own, but no, it's they got commercials now. But uh, yeah, it's pretty good. It's good. For, it's got probiotic. It's like a probiotic tea that helps you with the boom booms. You know, helps you with the boom booms. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it, man. That, that could, that could be the name of the show this week. I help with the Boom Booms right now, but I'm sure I will later today uh, because uh, I'm going to have to drink some kombucha. So, uh, but thank you, Primetime Grape, for your question, as always. We're going to give you a special fart. <laughs> yeah, cause. And a yo cause for your questions, as always. And we thank you, as always, for listening to the program and uh, answering these questions each and every week. Uh, Blue Meanie, we appreciate you. We appreciate the Pod Squad for joining us today. Uh, but Meanie, where can people keep up with you? Off, uh, off air here when they're done with the show and they're, they're sitting on their little, uh, their, their phones and they go to the Google. They're like, where's, where can I find blue? Where, where, where can they find you, sir? If you're bored and have nothing to do and want to follow me on social media, uh, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Blue Meanie BWL on all forms of social media. If you would like to support the Blue Meanie, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Blue Meanie. Uh, I just uploaded the official um, McCusker's T-shirt on the, in, in conjunction with McCusker's Tavern. A lot of people are like, where can I get the shirt? They're like, hey, can you upload this? Yes, I did. So go to uh, com slash Blue Meanie, get the BWO shirt or a McCusker shirt. If you would like to support Mind of the Meanie, go to com slash Mind of the Meanie. Plenty of uh, great uh, shirt designs there, a lot of inside humor related to the pod and uh, a lot of great designs, you know, all around. Uh, Collar and Elbow brand, Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Go to collarandelbowbrand.com, use coupon code MEANIE or use coupon code MIND. Save 10%. Either way, you're getting 10% off a quality t-shirt over there at collarandelbowbrand.com. Shout out to my boy Rod Hicks. He's doing an amazing job. Now, uh, if you're like myself and have a, uh, a beard and soon to be shaved off mustache, uh, go to, I shave it for icons, but I was going to try to keep it till icons, but it's becoming a thing. 
Go to, uh, go to madcatbeardcare.com and get the blue spruce beard oil and beard balm. Uh, Josh Thornton is doing an amazing job over there at blue, at, uh, blue spruce, not at blue spruce, at madcatbeardcare.com. Uh, every single dime that you spend at Madcat Beer Care goes to taking care of feral cats that he rounds up, takes to the vet, and, uh, he takes care of the kitties. Uh, March 18th. Uh, this coming Saturday, icons of wrestling at the 2300 Arena, former ECW Arena, come say hello to the blue guy. I'll be there signing autographs. I just got a whole bunch of new uh, 8x10s done up. Got some uh, shirts coming out. Uh, come say hello to the blue guy at the icons convention, March 18th. April 7th and 8th, I'll be at the Squared Circle Expo in Indianapolis, Indiana. I will be, uh, it's supposed to be the BWO, but Stevie's a little laid up. So it'll probably just be me and Nova and a, a cast of amazing wrestlers who will also be there. For, for more information, go to squaredcirclex.com. That's April 7th and 8th. Uh, figure heels, uh, fig heels and figure collections just put up pre-orders for the newly announced bone crushing wrestler series one variant of Brian Clark and myself, the Blue Meanie. All Series 1 is expected to ship to customers mid-March, which is about a week. Uh, you can pre-order now at shop.figurecollections.com. Use coupon, use code FIGHEEL to save 10%. Uh, and dude, man, those figures look amazing too. There's a, uh, Blue Meanie, regular Blue Meanie shirt variant and a BWO shirt variant. Love them. I can't wait to see them in, uh, up close and personal. Uh, shout out to my boy Jim Nelson over at GlaciersOfIce.com. Jim made a 3 of 3 only handmade but custom BWO Air Jordan 1 sneaker for Stevie Nova and myself. Each pair takes uh, Jim about 50 hours per pair to make. Follow Jim on all forms of social media. There's plenty of great photos and videos of him making these beautiful shoes at G-O-I Kicks. That's at G-O-I Kicks to see Jim make these amazing sneakers. Uh, Cameo.com slash Blue Meanie BWO for birthdays, holidays, and well wishes. I just did one this week, uh, a very special one, uh, trying to help somebody mend a friendship. Uh, a couple buddies had a falling out and... Uh, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't even talk about this. I don't know if the guy delivered the video yet. And he might be listening. So uh, I just probably ruined a, a surprise. <laughs> but, uh, cameo.com slash blue mini BWO for all your, uh, blue mini well wish holiday, uh, whatever the, whatever fun loving thing you can have me do at cameo.com slash blue mini BWO. But most importantly, Mr. Bernard. Where can we find you? Oh, you're such a nice guy. Thank you, Blue Mini. I appreciate you uh, on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, which I'm rarely on, but I only have it for the kids. Uh, I think I'm cool. I'm also on Mastodon, uh, at This Is Goober. Yes, it's my handle. No, I'm not changing it. It's a brand pal. You can go and check it out there. You can also listen to my other podcast called Foundation Radio by going to foundationradio.net. Uh, don't forget the Wrestling Hour every Wednesday at 3 p.m. A new episode releases on Premier Streaming Network. So go and sign up today for Premier Plus at uh, PremierStreamingNetwork.com. I just had my friends at the Public Enemies podcast on this week uh, and going to have another great episode this week as well. The Wrestling Hour with Adam Barnard at Premier Streaming Network. 
Go to Brothers Gatter coming up pretty soon. Uh, my prototype and my designs are coming out soon. I will have my first wrestling buddy, uh, my first wrestling uh, thing ever, which is super freaking dope. Uh, and you can pick up the Blue Meanies uh, Wrestle Buddy right now by going to brothersgatter.com. You'll also be able to pick up a two-pack of the Mind of the Meanie fellas here. You'll get a Meanie and an Adam uh, as they come out. <clears throat> Don't forget to go to the Feinberg Method. And sign up today. It's a uh, physical and mental well-being. Use promo code Goober and save up to twenty percent uh, on your purchase. Uh, and work and get yourself in shape with Brad Feinberg, my trainer. Uh, go to prowrestlingtees.com slash foundation radio. Pick up a shirt there. Prowrestlingtees.com slash mind of the meanie and keep the lights on at the Barnard Home for Wayward and Troubled Youth and Casa de Meanie. And also don't forget to go to patreon.com slash mind of the meanie. Sign up today to become a part of our pod squad. We literally cannot do this show without you and your support. Uh, we thank all the sponsors at the beginning, middle, and end of the program, and also Manscaped as well for sponsoring the program. Uh, and Meanie, I appreciate you, good sir, for doing another episode of the show. Uh, again, go to Instagram and follow my friends at Praise Dobler as well. Praise the... <laughs> Uh, we appreciate you, and we appreciate all of you listening. So for the Blue Meanie, I am Adam Bernard. Join us again each and every week as we take a trip to the mind. This episode of Mind of the Meanie was recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and was engineered by Carl Pinnell. Additional production and narration provided by Sam Krefs. Our executive producers are Josh Chernoff, Adam Barnard, and the Blue Meanie. Our opening theme is performed by the Swamp Candles. Our closing theme is performed by Chikara. The show contains original music produced by Enrichment. Get additional bonus content by becoming our patron on Patreon at patreon.com slash mindofthemeanie. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mindofthemeanie. This has been a Butts Carlton Media Production in conjunction with the MLW Radio Network. Butts Carlton Proprietor. That was Blue Meanie's brain out. The world of MLW Radio never stops.